Hi, you're listening to It's All in the Cards podcast, a horror fiction podcast where all questions are welcome, but you may not like the answers. Some material may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I bite my lip to keep from screaming as Damien sends the red-hot knife deeper into the flesh beneath my fingernails. Blood pulls from the wound and begins to drip on the floor, but he lifts my finger to his lips and licks the rubies as they form. He moans through my finger, and I can feel the vibrations of his vocal cords. Can't waste a drop now, can you? The paralysis of dreams keeps me in his grasp, only able to see and feel, but not able to move. I have to wait until he bends over me to see him clearly. It's only when I see the sky-blue eye with the dark spot of brown on the bottom of the iris do I realize it's not Damien that's torturing me now. It's Paul, my second victim. He's shorter than Damien, but just as strong. I bet you think it's nice to have the tables turned, don't you? Screw this. This is my dream, and I'll do whatever I damn well please. My body starts to respond to my will. My arms and legs begin to twitch as I try to escape, but out of the shadows comes more figures, none of which are my usual tormentors. No, compared to the faces in front of me, I'd really rather Damien, Cass, or Eric be the one abusing me right now. Instead, Cheryl and Catherine join Paul above me, They hold my arms with strengths they shouldn't have as Paul straps my head down. As soon as the women touch me, the memory of their deaths run ice cold through my veins. Their screaming and crying as I took their life slices through me deeper than Paul's blade. He pulls out new knives, two this time, and places them delicately at the corners of my eyes. My eyes twitch back and forth, trying to keep the knives in sight, but it's impossible to track both of them. Before I can respond, he drives them deep into my eyes sending a searing pain through the soft tissue and into my skull. Payback's a bitch. It's All in the Cards, Season 2, Episode 5, The Sultana. I wake up screaming, flinging my body out of bed and away from the memory of my victims. The spot where I had been is soaked in sweat, and so am I. I leave the sheets for later and head to the shower, determined to wash off every reminder of them from my skin. Their memory has haunted me for years, but I had finally started forgiving myself. Even if God couldn't, I could. I would not live miserably because of what stupid shit I did when I was a broken teen. But apparently the haunts are escalating, and I'm loath to think about the other victims that may also darken my doorstep. At the time I took their lives, I believed that they all deserved it. As time went on, a few I started to regret. If I have to face those regrets, I'm not sure I will come out unscathed. I need the name of the Two-Faced Man and to get rid of him, and see if that is the answer to my problems. But my irritated skin tells me it's not that simple. In the bathroom mirror, I examine my side, slowly scratching around the area that has been itching for weeks now. I see it clearly in the mirror, a small circle about the size of a quarter burned into my flesh. Even the Latin streak through the mark is becoming more visible, to the point where I can almost make out the full word. Infractum. 
When I was young and dumb, I made my first deal, which carved the mark into my skin and gave me a bounty of pleasure instead of pain. After my second deal, that permanent mark morphed into something else, a different kind of promise. Why the hell he chooses now to start irritating me with it is beyond me. It's not just the two-faced man's presence, but the fact that I'm back under the devil's microscope. I brush my hand over it, feeling the ridges of the scars that won't take no for an answer before turning away and stepping into the steaming shower. I'm still early to open the shop, even after a long and hot shower. Ever since my little meeting with Richard Cook, I've recharged my wards every day and night. If he's smart, he'll heed my words and leave me alone. But men, especially powerful men, are rarely smart. I've damaged his ego too much for him to ignore me for long. I'm sure he's just figuring out his next move. Once I'm done with the wards, I make the coffee, filling the air with the intoxicating promise of caffeine. I used to not drink coffee so much, but what with the drama of the coven and now the nomination looming over me to decide, my normal tea needs some help. Just as I'm about to add the finishing touches, I hear the bells over the door jingle. I look over my shoulder long enough to see that Sam before getting back to it. We've got a shipment coming in today, so I hope you're wearing clothes that you don't mind getting dirty. We're going to have some boxes to haul around and reorganize the shelves a little. Her response is the loud thump of her bag hitting the floor, followed by another I can't quite recognize. Looking back, I see that she's been over, her forehead pressed to the counter. You look like you need coffee. Late night out at the clubs? I'm 17. I can't get into clubs. Sam lifts her head, and it's then that I see the dark circles under her eyes. But, yes, coffee. I narrow my own eyes at her, not moving to pour her a cup. Now that I'm paying attention, I can smell it on her. The faint musk of the supernatural, clinging to her like smoke from a fire. What did you do? Color flushes her cheeks as she comes closer, grabbing a paper cup in the nearest pot. If I tell you, you can't be mad. I'm sure I'm going to be mad. Stop. Not that pot. I reach behind me and grab the other, uncharmed coffee and pour it into her cup. She gives me a grateful smile and inhales deeply. Nobody got hurt. Oh, so there were other people involved in this little adventure? Fantastic. Sam turns and walks behind the counter, dropping into the chair and taking a sip of her scalding coffee. If it burns, she doesn't react. Are you going to tell me what you did? Are you going to be mad? Probably, but when has that ever stopped you? Sam shrugs, seating the point. Taking another sip of her coffee, she looks up at me. You know how I put out those business cards, right? To get people to come to me if they need help? I remember it being a bad idea. And something about how you got into trouble at school for it. Yeah, well, I had to collect the ones I had put around, but I couldn't get all of them. Some were still out there in circulation, and it worked. I got a text from this girl at school. Iris, she needed my help. Did she play a stupid mirror game, too? Sam rolls her eyes. Not everyone that needs help did something to deserve being attacked by the supernatural. Some people are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Iris was in the wrong place. Iris works at the wrong place. The bells over the door jingle again, and Sam closes her mouth with a snap and pastes on a smile. Welcome to Which Way Between the Lines. How can we see for you today? I shake my head at her, letting her know this isn't over, before leaving the front of the store to let her handle the customers. I check on the status of our deliveries and put a fresh bowl of water out for the cat. When I hear the door open again, I come back out. Sam is still at the register, sliding bills into the drawer. I upset them on some books. Are you proud? Insanely. Where does Iris work? On the river cruise boats that go along the Arkansas River. 
You know, the really touristy ones that go about five miles an hour and focus on the history of riverboats? That doesn't seem like the kind of job a teenager would enjoy. Well, in the fall, they do ghost tours and tell scary stories of stuff that happened on the river. Nothing too crazy to be real, but your general soldiers fought here and boats crashed over there kind of thing. I nod. I had seen advertisements for the ghost tours, with goofy drawings of skeletons and sheets with eyes that are supposed to be scary, even though toddlers wouldn't cry at them. I didn't think any of it was real, but maybe someone in the company took things a little too seriously and conjured a spirit. Sam interrupts my thoughts before I can go too far down that road. Iris works on the boats regularly, taking tickets and cleaning up, but this year they let her train to lead some of the tours. She does theater and stuff at school, so she's really into telling a good story. I refrain from telling Sam that she could take some hints from her friend, Iris, and gesture for her to keep going. She's been doing it since the beginning of October, and she did a really good job. I actually went to one of the ghost tours before I knew what was happening. It seemed like your typical scary stories on a boat situation, but she really made it her own. It's way past October now. Why are they still doing ghost tours in November? Sam flaps her hand at me and she takes another large gulp of her coffee. The caffeine's clearly kicking in. I'm getting there. They did one big ghost tour on Halloween and then completely redid the boat so they could sell tickets for a Christmas cruise. Christmas in November, of course. I know, but that's not the point here. Iris started doing the Christmas cruise tours a few weeks ago and things kept being spooky. She said that during the ghost tours, they would have doors rigged to slam and speakers with whispering sounds and vents that blow cold air around, you know, your typical things that lend to the creepy vibe of the tour. The problem is, after they changed everything over for the Christmas tours, that stuff still happened. Did they forget to take out the speakers and rigging? Sam shakes her head at me, eyes wide. No, that's the thing. Iris asked her boss about it, and her boss told her that they hadn't rigged anything up for the ghost tours. The only scary part of the tour is supposed to be the stories. Did anything else happen with Iris? I feel like someone who is comfortable leading ghost tours wouldn't be bothered by the occasional gusts of wind or sound of whispers. You would be correct. Iris said she was a little freaked out when she learned that everything she had thought was set up for the ghost tour was really happening. But none of it really affected her, so she was able to brush it off. She said when a guest asked about the sound, she just told them the boat was haunted and winked like it was a big joke. But that pissed off whatever is haunting the boat. Immediately after she did that, she felt a shove. And this wasn't just a shoulder trying to pass her by. She said it felt like someone invisible had launched themselves at her. She was right by the railing, and if she hadn't grabbed onto the metal, she would have gone overboard into the Arkansas River. Now I'm intrigued. So it's definitely a haunting of some kind. Ugh, please tell me you didn't try to do an exorcism. Of course not, I'm not stupid. I give her a long stare, because it is definitely not out of the realm of possibility that Sam would try to do something so dangerous herself. After a minute, a blush crawls up her cheeks. I may have done a reading. Please tell me it was on Iris. It was not on Iris. She was there, though, to help. I rub my temples, reminding myself that, despite her idiot actions, she's still alive, so it couldn't have ended terribly. Tell me what you did. After Iris told me what happened to her and how freaked out she was about going back to work at a place that was clearly haunted and able to attack, we made a plan. I didn't think it would help to do a reading on Iris, since this is so clearly a haunting of the boat she runs. So we made a plan to meet up there after it was closed for the night. And what made you think you couldn't get to the bottom of things just from reading Iris's cards? Sam rolls her eyes, but answers. Because the haunting wasn't just about her. Other people heard and felt things too. He only attacked her because she was denying his existence and that kind of pissed him off. He's clearly an entity on the boat and reading Iris's cards may tell us some things, but it won't be enough to solve the problem here. He? Yeah, I'm getting to it if you would stop asking questions. I make a point of shutting my mouth, feigning quiet as I lean against the counter to hear the rest of her story. 
Anyway, the place closes at 8, so we decided to meet up at midnight just to be sure that there wouldn't be anybody lingering around the docks. Iris would kind of have an excuse if we ran into anybody, but no one would believe that I just got lost on the tour boat docks. They would probably think I was there to steal or vandalize or something. She told me the name of the boat she works on, the Sultana. All of the boats are named after boats that sank in the river, which is a little morbid, but nobody asked me before they made that decision. Apparently, the Sultana is one of the most popular stories to tell during the ghost tours. Iris gave me the rundown. The Sultana was a steamboat in the 1860s, built for only 300 passengers but often carried more. People didn't really care about safety back then. They even have a copy of a photo on all of the boats that they would point at when telling the story of how it went down. You can see thousands of people on there. Mostly Union soldiers who were released from Confederate prisoner of war camps, according to the stories. They also say the photo was taken the day before it exploded. Sam slides off the stool behind the counter and makes her way back over to the coffee, refilling her cup. It was the boilers. Back then, there wasn't any kind of regulations on manufacturing or maintaining, pretty much any kind of equipment, and they must have gotten so bogged down with mud from the river that they couldn't take it anymore. The whole boat fell apart, flames everywhere, and those old steamboats were made from mostly wood. It went up so quickly. At least 2,000 people died that night, the same people from the photo. She comes back around the counter with her full cup, blowing gently. I can see the steam rising and envision the fires that took down the Sultana that night. That's an awful lot of potential ghosts. But this tour boat isn't the old Sultana, so who is haunting it? Our thoughts exactly. There's no crossover. The boats weren't built in the same place or of the same materials. The new Sultana doesn't follow the same route as the old one, and the actual sinking of the Sultana happened over by Mound City not Fort Smith. The only thing in common is the telling of the story and the photo on the wall, which all of the boats have. And your friend Iris. Sam rolls her eyes again. It's not about Iris. I told you, a bunch of people felt and heard this ghost. Iris was just the only one that was attacked. So other boats had incidents as well? Well, no, but none of the other boats were called the Sultana. He's mad about the name of a boat that he apparently wasn't on. Will you please just let me tell the story my way? Your way seems to be taking a very long time. Sometimes good stories take time. As long as it doesn't end with, it was all a dream. I wish. So Iris and I met up at the Sultana. It took forever to find because all of those boats looked the same and they turned the lights off after it's locked out. I had to walk up to each boat to see the name on the side before I finally found it. Of course, Iris showed up right after that, walking directly to the boat because she knew where to go. Anyway... Anyway, we climb onto the Sultana and I could feel it right away. The ghost? Yeah, whoever he was, he was really unhappy. I could feel it, the thickness in the air that made everything a little swampy. And it wasn't from the water because it started the second I stepped on board. I even had my protection charm with me, which dulled the sensation but didn't completely block it. I don't know how other people could stand that feeling. Not everyone is attuned to their surroundings. One downside of being an energy vampire. I keep my thoughts on her protection charm to myself. Clearly it wasn't strong enough, given that she could feel the ghost's presence through its protection. I'm glad that we started going over grounding during classes and Sam's private lessons. She needs to work on that skill. Yeah, it sucks. Iris said she only felt it when something was happening, and for her it was like a dread taking over her body. Like she was scared of something but didn't know what or why. I nod. I've heard people describe encounters with spirits that way. A sense of something watching you, just before a hand reaches out and brushes dead fingers across your cheek. Iris took me into the cabin, which is where a lot of the phenomena had been happening. During the tours, they walk people around, going inside and outside depending on where they are and what there is to point out along the shore. They always tell the story of the Sultana going down inside since the actual location isn't on the route. 
The feeling definitely got worse inside. It was like walking into a sauna where the air is so much heavier than the outside of it. I had to focus on my breathing so I wouldn't have a panic attack. Another mental ding against her protection charm. Roz really should have known better than to give her that false hope. I tried to push past that feeling though for Iris. I didn't want her to know how intense everything was or how much it was affecting me. Wouldn't want the client knowing you'd bitten off more than you can chew, eh? Sam glares over at me. I could chew everything just fine, thank you. I just didn't want her to lose confidence in what we were doing. We started setting everything up, flashlights and candles in case he messes with the electronics or blows out the flame, a blanket on the floor so we could sit down, and of course, my deck. Sounds like a date. She gives me another look, but moves past my comment. Once we got settled, I began talking to him. I didn't know who he was, of course, but I wanted to explain what we were doing and what we wanted. Introductions, of sorts. I felt a shift in the air when I was done speaking, and it felt like he was there, like he was ready to tell his story. If he was on the boat that sank, he's probably been waiting a long time to tell his story. Sam takes a quick sip, impatient. I'm getting to that. I decided to do a simple three-card spread since we didn't have a ton of information about the spirit. I figured it was a good place to start, and I could pull more if I needed clarification on something. I give her a small nod. She's learning to trust her instincts, which is good. Definitely an improvement over the toaster fiasco. I started shuffling, and then I turned over the first card as a kind of introduction to who the spirit is. It was the... Oh, for the love of... I cut myself off when I see that it's a delivery man willing in the new shipment of books and cards for the store. Sorry. I can sign for those. Just put them back there. I take his clipboard and scrawl my name across the bottom as he wheels the boxes to the back of the store. I give him a tight smile as he walks out the door, a small side-eye look telling me that we are giving off a bit of an unfriendly vibe. Whatever. I've never been mistaken for friendly in my life. It made me miss Dylan, who wouldn't have taken my remark personally. I'll have to check in on him. I haven't seen him in a while. But back to Sam. What was the first card? Don't you want to unpack the boxes, make sure everything is right? They'll still be there tomorrow, but my interest in your story may not be. What was the card? Sam looks me over before setting down her coffee cup. The Knight of Pentacles. A hard-working person who takes their responsibilities to heart. Interesting. I thought so. I got the impression of a working-class guy, probably someone who worked on the steamboats that ran the river. Someone who steps up to a challenge and works to help people out. That makes sense. Yeah, he thought so too. When I explained the card out loud to Iris in the spirit, the flames of the candles crackled, like they were happy. I think he liked being considered a knight. Most men do, until it's time to act like one. Yeah, well, we moved on to the second card and I asked him what was preventing him from moving on. It was the Five of Cups. Loss, grief, abandonment. That's right. I thought at first he was grieving someone who passed away on the river, but that didn't exactly make sense since he obviously passed away too. He could have been grieving for himself, I suppose, but why did it take this long for him to start acting out? Did he do anything when you explained this card? Sam shakes her head. Not really. The flame spiked a little bit, but it felt more like he was surprised, like he didn't expect to get his feelings right, you know? I nod. I know the surprise of spirits. I figured it didn't hurt to move on, so I flipped the last card. It was justice. So he feels something unjust happened to him, and he wants it made right. Or the tour boats will all suffer the consequences. Yep, but remember, he didn't start lashing out in a negative way until Iris said he wasn't real. I thought through what she's saying, like it's all a puzzle I could solve from afar. So he wants justice for the grief he still holds. He wants things made right. He wants to be noticed. He wants to be remembered. Ding, ding, ding. He felt like he had been forgotten to time and wanted people to know about him. But again, why now? 
These ghost tours started a few years ago and they've been telling mostly the same stories the whole time. Why does he only now feel that he's forgotten? Did you ask him that? No, I asked Iris. Is she a secret steamboat ghost too? No, but she worked there last year and this year. She would likely know the things that had changed from one season to the next. So what changed? Well first, the Sultana. They realized that it was a big juicy story and people really liked hearing about it. They put the pictures in all of the boats between last season and this one so they can reference it while the guides are talking. Really put some faces to the tragedy. But if he was on the Sultana, you would think he would like that. Was he upset that they stopped after the ghost tours were over? The sounds and cold winds started this year when they really leaned into the Sultana story. Unless he really liked being a spooky ghost, ending the ghost tours wouldn't be it. So what else changed? The Sultana! I stare at her, waiting for an explanation. The new Sultana? It wasn't always named the Sultana. It used to be named the William Henry, after a steamboat that sank near Fort Smith in June of 1861. It all clicks together as she explains it. That satisfying solution to a mystery that itches at your brain until you can figure it out. So the ghost went down with the William Henry, and is pissed that they renamed the boat in honor of a more salacious story. Exactly! He just wanted his story told. Well, this seems like an easy fix. Just start telling the story of the William Henry, change the name back on his boat, and make another boat the Sultana. Problem solved. I walk toward the back of the store, a little irritated that I spent so much time listening to a story with such a simple solution. No wonder everyone made it out okay. From behind me, I hear a small thunk of metal hitting the counter. When I turn around, I see Sam's protection charm, or at least what's left of it. An enormous crack runs through the stone, and the chains blackened as if it had gone through a fire. Problem not solved? Not in the least. See, I suggested both of those things to Iris, and she didn't think her boss would go for it. Apparently it was his big idea to lean into the Sultana story, and with how busy they've been, he thinks it's working. The fact that it's bringing a real haunting to the ghost tours would actually be a bonus in his eyes. That's a man who would never get the Knight of Pinnacles in a reading. No kidding. And our ghost didn't take too kindly to hearing her say that either. What did he do? As soon as she explained how her boss loved the story of the Sultana and how it had made business better, the flames on the candles shot up like gas had been thrown on them. Iris was flung up the ceiling, pressed there like she was trapped by a glass floor, and then suddenly it disappeared and she dropped. She landed so hard she didn't have time to brace herself, she broke her nose. I could feel him pulling at me like he was trying to hurt me too, but the charm was stopping him. And then I felt it crack against my chest, and it wasn't protecting anything anymore. I could feel him all around me, lifting me up until my toes just brushed the floor, but by then, I had remembered what we had been going over together. About grounding and protection. I took a steadying breath and imagined myself grounded, my energy flowing through the floorboards, tying me down to the earth. When my heels hit the floor, I focused on expanding it to Iris, wrapping her in my grounding protection. He was able to throw other things around, but I was able to protect both of us. A surge of pride creeps up my chest as Sam explains her grounding. Thank God and goddess she actually listens when I talk. How did you stop him? I thought maybe I could drink him down, take in his energy until he didn't have anything left to throw at us. I've only done it by accident before, but I figured if ever there was a time to actually do it, this would be it, right? I nod grimly. Trial by fire is never the best option, but it certainly can be effective. I tried, but I just couldn't do it. You couldn't figure out how? No, I, I could figure out how, easily. It's just, Jade, he tasted awful. <laughs> evil tends to not taste like fresh berries, that's for sure. I don't think he was evil, but he had definitely been fermenting in something for a long time. It was like smoky river water, complete with rotting fish. I got one taste and coughed him back up, but I think it shocked him enough that he stopped. Iris and I ran out of there so fast we left the candles. I'm sure someone will just assume some kids were having a romantic evening on private property. 
What do you think teenagers do exactly? Because I've never heard of any of my classmates sneaking onto boats to make out. You guys aren't living then. Whatever. So you left. And this all apparently happened in the wee hours of this morning. Did you two come up with a solution? Sam shakes her head, mouth turned down on one side in disappointment. No, I wanted to talk to you about it. See what you think? Well, the simplest solution is the one that got you guys attacked. At least tell the right story even if the owner won't change the name back. The most chaotic solution would be to burn the whole boat down, which you may have accidentally managed by leaving burning candles unattended. Sam holds up two fingers and crosses them, hopefully. That would be a nice solution. What do you think we should do? Me? I think you should go home and go to bed. Don't tell your aunt that your protection charm is out of commission. You've proven that you can defend yourself. And now, you have the opportunity to actually practice it in your daily life. But what do we do about the ghost? About Iris still working there? I smile at her. Sometimes it's best if you don't know what's going to happen. Plausible deniability. You're going to do something illegal, aren't you? No more illegal than you've already done, I assure you. Sam slides off the stool, ready to follow my orders, but still dejected. I decide to throw her a bone, so to speak. How about I make a spell jar here at the store to attract people that need help? Then I can be here if you need help, and you hopefully won't find yourself alone on a boat with a ghost. And I can keep an eye on her, but I don't mention that part. Sam's eyes light up. Really? I thought you hated people and think helping them is useless. I do hate people, and I do think helping them is useless. Maybe this will teach you to think about things my way. Her smile tells me she doesn't believe it will work, but she nods anyway. I would really like that. You want me to help? No, just go get some sleep. I'll have it done for tomorrow. And I'll have that spirit taken care of by then, too. Unlike Sam, I can tolerate the taste of river water and smoke. Sam collects her bag from the floor and throws it over her shoulder as if it weighs a hundred pounds. Thanks, Jade. I appreciate it. As she turns towards the door, I remember an old joke that I can't help but share now. Hey, Sam. Where do they put pirates to landlock them? I don't know. Where? Arkansas. A smile blooms across her tired face at the joke. (laughs) Terrible. Truly just an awful joke. I said the same thing when my mom first told it to me. It's one of my favorites. The bells over the door jingle as she leaves. I wait for her to make it down the block before flipping the open sign to closed. I've got a ghost to deal with. Aww. Sam had her own little adventure and is finally taking a bit of control for herself. I wonder how long it'll take for Jade to absolutely hate that. This episode of It's All in the Cards podcast was written by Ashley McAnally and Morgan Balco. Theme music was composed by The Arsonist and performed by Veronica Stonebreaker, featuring the voice talents of Ashley McAnally and Nicole Goodnight. We would like to give a shout out to our newest Patreon members, Travis B., Annie North, Elizabeth Harvey, and Amelia Brownstein. If you would like to support the show, you can join our Patreon and get ad-free episodes, early access, and exclusive bonus content including the spin-off series The Dick of the Eternals, a Patreon exclusive to our Celtic Crossbred subscribers. Part 1 is out now, and Part 2 will be premiering in December. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at It's All in the Cards Podcast and Twitter at It's All in the Card. Links in the show notes. It's All in the Cards podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised.